Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you guys for joining me in that. Hey, we are in a series uh, through the book of James, and uh, the title of the series is Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. And uh, each week, I want to start out our series with a little life hack, because if you don't get anything out of the message, you might actually get like a little tip, a little trick, right? So we're going to try one today. And it's, this didn't go over very well in first service, just so you all know. So I don't have a lot of hope for it this service, but we'll try it anyway. So um, you guys know if you have an open bag that you have these little clips, right? You know, that you can put on your bag. But what if you don't have a clip? right? Then you're kind of stuck with this bag. It's opened and you don't have a clip. Well, here's the thing. Everybody has like a water bottle, right? Or we have like a two liter water bottle. So you just get out your handy dandy knife and you cut the top off of the water bottle. Now kids, don't do this at home, all right? Without supervision, all right? And uh, all right, so you have your water bottle and then uh, you take the lid off of it take your bag through the water bottle all the way down, all right? And then just take your bag and put it over the top of everything, all right? And then you put your lid on it, and it actually does, I think it actually goes on. Maybe this won't go on. Let's pretend that this actually goes on. There it is, all right. So now you have sealed it up. And what's even better, it's really sealed. That went really well. Um, you can actually pour it out too, you know, in your bowl. It's kind of a just nice little thing. That went over about as well as it did the first service. All right, let's kick that out of there. All right, so next week, you need to come back because my wife Rose is teaching and she will have a much better uh, right? Much better life hack. We'll see. Okay, we are in the book of James. If you guys would turn there with me. It's near the end of your Bibles, uh, right after the book of Hebrews. And if you do not, do not have a Bible, stop by the Welcome Center after church. They will give you a Bible because everybody needs to have a Bible, right? Um, and again, this summer, this is a good series to bring your Bibles. I know many of us read our Bibles on our phones and computers, and we'll have it on the screen and on your handouts as well. Um, but this is a great series to bring your Bible. We're going to be kind of doing a Bible study through the summer, and you can write in the margin and highlight and do any of those kinds of things, okay? Now, just a reminder, James is the, uh, the little brother of Jesus, and he became a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, after Jesus rose from the dead. So most of Jesus's life, James didn't really believe that he was the Messiah, but at the very end, James did. He believed in Big Brother, that he really was the Son of God, uh, the Christ, so much so that later on in James's life, he dies as a martyr um, because he believes that Jesus is who he said he was, okay? All right, so we're going to be reading, uh, verse, starting with verse 13, and the title for today's message is Life Hacks Fleeing Temptation, um, because this first section talks about temptation. All right, so Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. I'm going to stop there, and uh, I'll just be reading a verse or two along the way, and we'll talk about them as we go. But I wanted to start there because this is a theological truth that we all really need to get, all right? The fact is that Jesus, that God, does not tempt anyone with evil, all right? So just think about that. If there is an evil temptation out there, or there is something evil, it is not from God. God does not tempt anyone with evil. 1 John 1, 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So God is pure goodness. There is no evil within him at all. He doesn't use evil. He's not going to tempt people with evil. He does not want people to sin. That's not within him. God is actually hoping that we all stay away from sin. But God does give each of us free will. That's one thing that God does do. He gives us free will, which means that we get to freely choose to obey God or to sin. The opposite of obeying God is to sin. Now, why does God give us this free will? If he didn't give us free will, there wouldn't be any sin in the world, right? But he gives us this free will because without it, it is impossible to love. If someone made you love them, that wouldn't be love, right? So the only way that God could have us, his creation, love him is if we had the choice not to. If we had the choice to follow him or not to follow him. But it's because of this free will that there is evil in our world today. See, it's such a good thing because we can choose to love God or not, but there are many people in this world who have chosen against the things of God, and that brings evil into our world. Now, next two verses talk about how we are specifically tempted to do evil. Verses 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So this section of scripture is talking about how sin is a progression, okay? It's, there are steps that take place that lead us to sin. Now, the first part, he says, so the first step in this process is that there is an evil desire within us. It says that we are dragged away by their own evil desire. So the first thing we have to recognize is that there is evil within each one of us. Okay, we are, we have a sinful nature. Now that was passed down to each of us. We inherited it from our parents or our grandparents and keep going back and back and back. You get to Adam and Eve. Grandma Eve and Grandpa Adam. They are the original sinners. <laughs> and that sin, that sin nature is passed down from them. Now to fully understand it, I think we need to read that story back in Genesis of the original sin. So I, I want to read that. It's Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. But it gives us an understanding of what the sin was and then what the penalty for that was as well. We'll talk about that. So verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. 
He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So Adam and Eve had one commandment. That was it. You can eat from any tree in the garden, but just don't eat from this one tree. And I believe that God gave Adam and Eve that option again for free will so that they could choose to follow God or not. Well, we are descended from Adam and Eve, and so that sin nature is within us. Um, a speaker that I, I really like, his name is Tom Harmon. He's a local preacher. When he would talk about this, he would stand up here and he would just grab his flesh and just say, there is evil inside of me, in this flesh. It's within me. And and uh, uh, Paul said it this way in Romans. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So we have to understand if we are going to avoid sin, we first have to understand that each one of us has a sinful nature. Okay? Each one of us has a sinful nature. It's within us. It was handed down to us from our ancestors. Now, secondly, so first we have this evil desire within us. Secondly, we are enticed. This is where Satan tempts us. Now, it's not God. Remember that. It's not God who tempts us. It's Satan who tempts us. Satan posed these questions as a serpent to Adam and Eve. He knew, you know, the truth, but he posed these questions to make Adam and Eve doubt to make them consider. It was just kind of a temptation. And then they even actually looked at the fruit. She was kind of tempted by it. Now, maybe up to that point, maybe she had always shielded her eyes from it because she knew, I do not want anything to do with that tree. But this time, she looked at the, the fruit on the tree and she said, well, it, was, it looks good for food. It's pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. So she was tempted. She was enticed. Now, I want you guys to know, she hasn't sinned yet, all right? Being tempted is not sin. And some of us need to hear that today because we've been under a lot of temptation. And maybe some of us have felt condemnation just because we even think about sinning. But I just want you to know, being tempted is common. It is not sin, all right? Now, the next step is, right? The next step is there's this choice. So we have evil within us. We are enticed. We are tempted. And then we choose to sin. That's a choice. Every time we sin, it is a choice. If someone says, well, I just couldn't help myself. Eh, that's, not, that's not true. What? If we sin, it is because we chose to sin. There's a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that says, 
No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Every time we're tempted, God, first of all, he won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And secondly, he always gives us a way out. Again, it goes back to free will. We always have the choice to sin or to walk away from it. So that's the third part. We choose to sin. And then lastly in this progression is death. Is death. Sin gives birth to death. And I believe that Adam and Eve, if they hadn't chose to sin, they may still be alive today. They had access to the tree of life. In fact, we don't know, scripture isn't clear, how many years they had actually lived in the garden before they sinned. Now, if it had been me, it might have been just a few months, you know? But Adam and Eve, they might have made it for 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. We don't know. But at the point where they chose to go against what God told them and they ate the fruit, that was the, the, the beginning of death for them. Their lives were ruined. They were kicked out of the garden. They no longer had access to the, the tree of life. And so their bodies physically began to die as well. In addition to that, God punished Eve, disciplined Eve, by increasing the pain of childbirth. So ladies, if you've had a baby and it was painful, blame Grandma Eve, all right? You can just blame her. And then for men, you weren't out of this either. It used to be easy. I mean, hey, let's provide some food for our family. He walked over to a tree, pulled out some fruit, probably walked over to a garden, harvested some vegetables. It was real easy. But after they got kicked out of the garden, then there was, there was thistles and thorns and, and Adam had to work the soil. There were weeds everywhere. And so working and providing for families became a lot harder. That was the, the consequence of sin. So sin is this progression, all right? It starts with our sinful nature. It walks through temptation. It's a choice and it ends in death. Well, how do we avoid sin? Because I think we want to, right? We want to avoid sin. How do we avoid sin? We can't remove our sinful nature. We have an enemy who's going to, going to be tempting us. But how do we have victory over sin? And I believe that we can find some ideas on this by reading the story of Joseph. So we have Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. We all know Joseph from that musical, right? Um, but Joseph was a character in the Old Testament who was sold into slavery into Egypt. And uh, he was bought by Potiphar, and Potiphar had him as a servant. And so we're going to read from Genesis 39, verses 6 through 12, and we're going to see where Joseph is tempted and how he has victory over sin. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. I mean, a little bit like myself. That's how I relate to Joseph. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. 
No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. So Joseph is being tempted, all right, by Potiphar's wife to do something that he knows is morally wrong and is bad against his boss. And he just knows it's the wrong thing to do. So the first thing that Joseph does in verse 10, he says, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her or even be with her. He would not even hang around her. If she was in the room, he left the room. So he completely avoided her. Now, some of you have been caught up in sin, and you're like, man, I just can't seem to avoid this sin area. But my question to you is, are you avoiding it? It could be a relationship. It could be a location. It could be the times that you're getting on the internet by yourself in the middle of the night, whatever. Joseph avoided the area. He didn't linger around. Uh, if we go back to, to Eve, you know, Eve was being tempted and then she lingered around. She lingered around. She started looking at the fruit and going, oh man, it does look good. You're right, Satan, it does look good. We need to avoid the situation to begin with. Before we're even tempted, we need to avoid the situations that tempt us. But the second thing that Joseph did when he was put into the situation, it wasn't even his own fault. She sent all the servants out. She grabbed a hold of him. You know, she, she threw herself at him. And you know, you know what Joseph did? Joseph ran. I mean, he didn't, he didn't slowly walk away. I mean, he like threw off his cloak and he sprinted out the door. Why do you think he ran? Do you think he was running because he might get caught? I think he was running because he knew himself. He couldn't count on self-control. He's like, I am not gonna sin and I am out of here and nothing is gonna stop me. In your fight against sin, you gotta have that kind of tenacity. You have to be like, nothing is gonna stop me. If I can't avoid it up front, you know, we gotta avoid it up front. But if we're in the midst of it, man, we need to be rude, whatever it takes. We need to just run out the door because the reality is sometimes the best way to avoid sin is these two feet that we have. It's just to get them moving and to get us physically away from whatever is tempting us. So that's your, your life hack. Number one, you can fill this in on your handout. Run from temptation immediately before it overpowers you. Do not linger around and think about it and count on self-control to win the battle. You've got to run immediately, as soon as it presents itself. All right, next verse, verse 16 says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. we stop there. We do a Bible study in our home group and we'll read a verse like that and I'll say, stop. And they're like, oh, you stopped again. Can we just get through this chapter? Well, we have a lot of stops along the way, but 
This struck me this week when I was studying this. It says, don't be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Many times we feel like, I feel like when I'm deceived, it's the other person's fault, right? Somebody deceived me. That's how it feels. But this scripture is actually saying we have a choice. James wouldn't say don't be deceived if we had a choice to not be deceived. So how do we avoid being deceived? Because there's a lot of deception out there. The enemy is the father of lies. He's going to try to lie to us and deceive us all the time. Well, this is how. This is how we avoid deception. We avoid deception with the truth. The Bible. The Bible. So we need to know our Bibles. We need to study our Bibles. We need to memorize our Bibles. We need to believe the Bible. Because... The Bible is the answer to every deception that we might have. John 8, 31 and 32, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus taught the truth, and it's all recorded in Scripture. And this is what will prevent us from being deceived. So that's your life hack. Reading the Bible will keep us from being deceived. Pretty straightforward. But I've talked to a lot of Christians who have been Christians for a while, but they've never read the Bible from beginning to end. And so my challenge to each one of you, if you have never read the Bible from beginning to end, is to make sure you have a Bible and start reading it. Because if you haven't read it, then there are sections of truth that you have never read. You're counting on pastors and teachers and maybe the section that you have read to prevent all deception. And I would just say, this Bible has 66 books in it for a reason, because we need it all. And Satan's going to throw at us all kinds of deception. And it's up to us to take the time to read your Bible, to read our Bibles. So I I would encourage you, Find a reading plan. Uh, start reading. If, you, if you've never read your Bible, start in the book of John. It's in the New Testament and read it through the end and then start at the beginning. But each of us needs to know the Bible. That's how we're going to be free from deception. All right. Next verse, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Well, the second part of that says God does not change like shifting shadows. And it's just a truth that, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same God. All right. But I want to concentrate today on the first part, which says every good and perfect, I'm sorry, every good and perfect gift is from above. And it reminds me of an old worship song called I Will Not Forget You by Enter the Worship Circle. And it says many men will drink the rain and turn to thank the clouds. Many men will hear you speak, but they will never turn around. And it says, I will not forget you. You are my God, my King. And with a thankful heart, I bring my offering. And my sacrifice is not what you can give, but what what I alone can give to you. So the first part of the song says that many men will drink the rain and turn and thank the clouds. And you know, I've seen that. I've done that in my own life, right? I mean, we can have a, a, an education and we, we turn and thank our teachers. Or we can have a good marriage and we, we thank our, our spouse. 
Or we can climb up the corporate ladder and we thank our, our parents for teaching us strong work ethic. But the reality is, is that God is the one who gave us the ability to learn. God is the one who taught us how to love and, and be loved. God is the one who gave us the ability to work and to even hold a job. And so, so it's not bad to thank our teachers and our parents and our spouse. It's not bad to do that. But let's not stop there. Let's thank the creator who gives us all good gifts. Every good gift is from God. When, uh, when I have an opportunity to go to Africa and go to South Sudan or Uganda to visit the New Generation Dreamland Children's Home, the, the last night that we're there, we always do a big feast for them because they just eat beans and rice all day, every day. <laughs> That's what they eat. And so we'll do a big feast. We'll get a couple of goats and have them prepared and we'll get uh, cans of pop, you know, because they, they don't get soda pop over there at all. We'll get them some candy and we'll have some toys for them. And, and we'll do this big feast and feed them. And they are so joyful. And they kind of have grown to expect it. You know, it's the last night we're there. Um, and they usually will do a program for us, do some songs and, and that kind of thing. But when they pray, I love the way they pray because they will say, Lord God, we thank you for this feast tonight. We thank you for these gifts. And I love that because they know that it wasn't this team from America that actually gave that to them. It was God who sent us. Because we could have gone to any country, any town, in Uganda or South Sudan, but God sent us to them and they know it's from God. And so they thank God. We need to be more like that. We need to remember that every good gift that we have, every good thing in our life, every breath we have, it is, it is from God. James knew that and he's like, man, every good gift is from God. So here's a question for us today. What good thing in my life do I need to thank God for today? What good thing in my life do I need to thank God for today? So what I want to do to answer that question is I just want to thank God for it. If God brought something to your mind, I just want to take a minute and I just want to thank God for it. Because, you know, he doesn't get enough credit, Right? So what I'll do, I'm going to just turn off my mic. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. And if you're watching online, just bow your heads for a moment. And I'm going to turn off my mic. And we're just going to pray out loud, just talk out loud. And just thank God for what he has done for you, what good things he has brought. Okay? So let's just do that for a moment. We'll all just kind of talk out loud, and that's fine.
Every good gift is from you, God. Every good gift is from you. So God, we thank you for all the good blessings that we've had. We thank you, God, that we were able to be here today. We thank you, God, for the cars that, we, that took us here, for the money to put gas in the tank, God. Every good gift is from you, God. Amen. Amen. So that's your third life hack. It's really kind of stating a truth. All good is from God. All good is from God. I'm going to read verse 18 and just go through it kind of briefly to wrap up. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So the first thing, just to recognize, two things from this. First of all, is that he chose us. God chose us. It's not an accident that you're here today. God chose you. In the same way that God gives us free will to choose him, well, God has free will as well. He didn't have to choose us, but he does, and he did. It's one of our identities is that we should feel and walk like we are chosen. And if you missed that message, Lennon taught on that a few weeks ago. You can find it online. It's a great message about how God chooses each one of us. He chooses us. That's the first part of it. The second part, though, he's talking about this first fruits. And I want to talk, kind of define what a first fruit is. So back in the Old Testament, the, in the country of Israel. So they would, every year, they would plant and they would harvest. And at harvest time, the very first uh, harvest that they would take, the first grapes, the first strawberries, the first oranges, whatever they had, the first wheat, corn, they would take it and they would offer it to God. Now, I don't know about you, but if it had been a year since I'd had any bananas and the bananas finally grew and they were ripe, you know what I would want to do? I would want to eat it, right? I mean, I would be like, oh, we finally, this, this finally ripe. I would want to eat it because it's been a year since I had a banana or an orange or a fig or a pomegranate. I don't know why I said that, but that came up. But you know, any of these things, it's been a year. But you know what they would do is they would, instead of eating it, they would take it and they would sacrifice it to God. They'd give it away. I believe that that was pretty special to God. That people would be willing to give up something they so desire to God. Well, in this scripture, God is comparing us to first fruits, that we are a first fruit, which I believe that just means that we are, this is your, your, your last film, we are very, very special to God. I mean, first fruits are special, and that's who we are to God. So we are very special to God. So it's something just to throw into your theological bookcase. <laughs> just know that to God, man, we are super special. Well, thanks for being with us today. We're going to continue the book of James next week. Uh, I'm going to invite Rose to come up here and uh, close us out in prayer.
Okay, so we're going to jump back up to the first point. Where God highlighted that he always provides a way out from temptation. He is a good God, therefore he does not tempt us. He offers a way out in every situation. And this morning he, he said, because every single one of us is tempted, because we're human, he created us human, he provides a way out. And us as humans, we like to focus on what is in front of us in every situation. But sometimes God is off to the side and he's offering a doorway. He has a window that is open and we need to look for God in every situation. I don't care what the situation is, he's in it in one way or another because God is everywhere. He's always present. So what situation is often the most tempting for you? And where is God in that? What is the way out that he is providing for you? Maybe it's your circle of friends. Maybe you just need to walk out. I've had those situations. I'm in the wrong kind of circle of friends. And I've just had to run (laughs) like Joseph did. I had to run out of there. And I was a bad guy, but you know what? That's okay. You look silly doing it. But because God is a good God, he wants what is best for you. And sometimes it's that way out. It's what is best for you. So this morning, I just want to pray for us that we would see the way out, that we would recognize it. So why don't you stand with me and I'll pray for all of us because we all need to recognize the way out that God provides us. So God, I thank you that you are good. You are a good God. And you always want what is best for us. And you always have what is best for us, but it's up to us to look for it. And to be aware of who you are, to be aware of your presence. So God, would you give us clear vision? Would you open our eyes to see you? And God, I pray that you would heighten our spiritual senses in knowing where you are and to be aware of your presence, Lord, in every situation. Because the truth is, is that you are everywhere. Even when we don't know you are there, you are there. Even when we don't feel you, you are there. Even when we don't see you, you are there. So God, I pray that you would give us clarity in knowing where you are, in seeing where you are, in feeling where you are. God, we just want you. 
God, I pray that you would give us a supernatural ability to run away from temptation. Give us strength, give us diligence, give us the fortitude to run towards you, Lord. God, I thank you for loving us well and for for providing the way out, Lord. So God, I pray a blessing over each person in this room and everyone watching online. God, I pray that you would bless them. Bless them with good health. Bless them with good relationships. Bless them with the ability to experience you in your presence, Lord. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for being with us. And God, I pray that you would bless us all with a good week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming out, guys. And have a good week. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.